Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to see you. Um, one thing I love about January is that in January, we often get these reminders that as Christians, we are, we are part of a big, big family. Uh, January is a time where a number of our regulars, uh, families who are usually here at church, are elsewhere and visiting other places. Um, and also, as I look around the room, it's so good to see um, various friends and family from interstate who are with us this morning. It is so good to be together. Uh, Elijah, Brianna, great to see you guys again. Johnston family, um, so it's been so good to have you with us for the last few weeks. Um, and uh, Carol and Michael, great to see you guys as well. My plan for January is that the next two Sundays, we're going to begin the year reflecting on some of the Psalms. And then after that, I'll be away for a couple of weeks and Travis Maroney, who's from the Eltham congregation, is going to be coming here as a visiting preacher and he's going to preach on the book of Ecclesiastes, which sounds great. And then after that, it'll be February and school will be back and we'll return to our series on the life of Abraham that we were doing before Christmas. Um, the Psalms. The Psalms are great. And for today, I couldn't narrow it down to just one Psalm, so we're actually going to read two. We're going to start off with Psalm 111 and then we're going to continue on into Psalm 112. So could you reach for a Bible, open it up to page 873, and we'll read these two Psalms, starting with Psalm 111, and we'll do it as a responsive reading. So that means I'll read the odd verses, 1, 3, 5, 7, and you can respond with the even verses, 2, 4, 6, 8. So, page 873, Psalm 111, and I'll start at verse 1. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the council of the upright and in the assembly. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Good. Now we'll continue on to the next psalm, Psalm 112, and we'll do it the same way, responsively. Psalm 112, verse 1. Praise the Lord, 
Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Wealth and riches are in their houses and their righteousness endures forever. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honour. Okay, now we're going to turn over to the New Testament and I'll read to you the passage from Colossians that the kids' talk was about. So it's Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, I think it's on page 1678. So we, I'll just read this, this whole passage. Uh, we won't do it responsively, but... Let's, uh, let's really think about these words. Colossians chapter 3 from verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we stop now and we think about your word, I pray that you, that you will give us ears to hear, that you will enable us to praise you in our hearts in response to your word, and that you will equip us to live transformed lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the, 
first Sunday of 2024, and so here's a question that I'd like us to think about today. It's this one, what sort of person do you want to be in 2024? It's a slightly different question to what we often ask. I mean, if if you're a more task-focused person, you you might ask, hey, what what project do I want, want to complete this year? Maybe repaint the garage or or save for a holiday or or finish your diploma or learn to speak Russian. But I want us to think this morning about a a bit of a wider question than that. What kind of person do you want to be? It's a question about character. It's a question, yes, about the kinds of activities that you'll build into your life, but it, it also asks how would you like to react to all of the unknowns that are going to come in this next year. To help us think through this question, we're going to look at two Psalms, Psalms 111 and 112. And I think it makes sense to do these two Psalms together because as I'll show you, they're kind of a pair. So if you could have your Bible open, what was it, page 873, that'll... Help you, If you follow along in your Bible, that'll help you follow what I'm talking about. And my plan this morning is, first of all, I want to show you what, what is the connection between these two Psalms. And then we'll think about, well, what's, what's the lesson that comes out of the connection between the two Psalms? And then we'll come back to that first question, what sort of people do we want to be in 2024? So what is the connection between Psalm 111 and 112. Well, Psalm 111 is all about the Lord, all about how his character flows out in wonderful saving deeds. The Psalm of praise. And you can see that in the first verse. Praise the Lord, I will extol the Lord with all my heart. Psalm 112 is about the person who fears the Lord. And you can see that in the first verse. Praise the Lord, blessed are those who fear the Lord. So we've got one psalm about God and another psalm about his people. And the connection that I want us to really think about this morning is how God's character is reflected in his people. I mean, as you as you read those psalms, did you notice some of the similarities. For example, 111 tells us about the Lord. His righteousness endures forever. And then Psalm 112, their righteousness, verse 9, their righteousness endures forever. Well, have a look at what it says, Psalm 111, verse 4. The Lord is gracious and compassionate And then in Psalm 112, verse 4, it talks about those who are gracious and compassionate. It's interesting, isn't it, with all those repeated words. The character of the Lord is reflected in his people. And we'll we'll think a bit more about what the point of that is. But just let me show you a few more examples. Psalm 111, verse 5, God provides food for those who fear him. Literally, in in the Hebrew language, it says God gifts food. To his people. And then 112 verse 9, they have freely scattered their 
gifts to the poor. You notice that the order of the verses doesn't match up. These two psalms are uh, what we call acrostic poems. So it means it, that means in the original language, you've got the first sentence starts with A, the second sentence starts with B, all the way down to the end of the alphabet. So, so these are two poems that are, that are not in topical order, they're in alphabetical order, which is probably like that helps people to memorize them. Um, how about this one? God remembers his covenant forever. Psalm 112, they will be remembered forever. So you notice God and his people are not identical. Rather, we've got the original and the reflection, the rememberer and the remembered. Maybe as an illustration, uh, think God is like the sun, the source of light. We're like the moon, the reflectors of light. Uh, One last one. God's works are established forever. And literally it's the word secure. God's words are secure forever. And that matches up with their hearts are secure. So a lot of things line up. But what do we make of all this? Well, I think this helps us understand a whole lot of things. First of all, it helps us understand what we were created for. Create humans created in God's image were created to reflect his character. Out of, out of everything that God has made, it's humans in particular who are able to, to reflect back that character of God, to be people who visibly represent what the invisible God is on about. So I mentioned sun and moon, that's one illustration. I'll, I'll give you another illustration. This is the biggest concert hall in the world and it's out in the desert in Saudi Arabia. And the design concept of this building is that it's made to reflect the spectacular landscape that's all around it. The the beauty and the glory of this building is the beauty of reflection. And we could say that the design concept of humanity is that the character of God is that the template for what kind of people we should be. Uh, Fifty years ago, a guy named J.I. Packer wrote a classic book called Knowing God. Has anyone, uh, anyone read this book? A few hands go up. If you haven't read it, I'll, I'll lend it to you afterwards. So helpful. There's also a copy in the church library. But um, one of the things he says in it is that, okay, some people will think a study of the nature and character of God will be unpractical and irrelevant for life. But in fact, it's the most practical project anyone can engage in because of this connection between the character of God and what we were designed to be. I mean, just just think back. Think back to the Old Testament times. Think about people like Noah or Abraham or Joseph. When those guys lived, there was no Ten Commandments. 
There was no Sermon on the Mount. And so, how did they know how to live? The answer is, they knew God. And they knew their lives should be a response to his character. Hey, this, this connection between the character of God and the character of humans also helps us make sense of sin. And go, go back to the beginning in the Garden of Eden when the, the snake first deceived Adam and Eve. It's interesting, the snake held out the possibility of being like God, but in the wrong way. Instead of reflecting the character of God, he said, why don't you just try and take the place of God? Why don't you be the people who define what is good and what is evil? Don't, don't base your lives on his character. You take his place and you do it your way. It's, it's a bit like, imagine um, so that, that concert hall in Saudi Arabia. Imagine new management takes over and they look at those big shiny walls and they think, I reckon, I reckon, I reckon there's, a, there's a lot of space there that we can leverage to make bigger profits. And so what, what could we do with these, these uh, big shiny walls? Maybe we could, um, first of all, maybe we can build better connections with government. We'll, down one end we'll put a big picture of the Saudi king. That'll That'll help us. And then, and then that, that big long wall, we could like, we could use all that space for advertising boards and sponsorship. Like imagine how much that'll raise. And then, and then maybe like another wall, we could be a, we could be a bit, a bit edgy and we can cover it with like pictures of actresses and beautiful women. And okay, if they do that to the building, like, the way our world works, maybe they will make a bit more of a profit in the short term. But, but can you see how actually the promotion and the pursuit of, what is it, of, of sex, money and power would completely undermine the purpose and the design of that building? One way of describing what sin is is that it's a, it's a rejection of the character of God in your life. It's saying, oh, I want to, I want to, I want to paper over the wall with other things. And so, so if, like, as our Psalms tell us, if God is faithful and just and generous and gracious and compassionate, if that's what God's like, sin is all about being unfaithful and unjust and ungracious and selfish and without compassion. I think it's, it's helpful to, to, to think through it like that. Sometimes we can have a very superficial definition of sin, where sin is just breaking a few key rules. And, and that can be convenient because most people can keep most of the rules most of the time. And so if you, if you have a, a very superficial definition of sin, you can convince yourself that you don't really have a problem with sin because you generally keep the rules. But you just try you just try to be compassionate at all times. You just try to practice righteousness that endures forever. You just try to keep your heart secure in the face of bad news. You just try to freely scatter gifts to the poor. Just just try doing that. Try reflecting the character of God and pretty soon you'll figure out, oh no, I, I am a sinner. 
Um, Here's a question. Psalm 112. Does Psalm 112 describe you? I mean, maybe you're here today, maybe you're not yet a Christian and welcome. I'm glad you're here. And there might be some things in that psalm that you can identify with and some things you don't. But really, Psalm 112 isn't intended to be a description of you. But for, for those Christians here today, does Psalm 112 describe you? I mean, I read that, and I, honestly, for me, the answer is, well, sort of, but not entirely. I mean, yes, yes, I, I fear God, except in those moments where my, my, my life gets directed by fear of something else. And, okay, gracious, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm gracious, except on those days where I'm a bit tired and cranky and stressed, and then maybe I'm not quite so gracious. I'm generous? Well, yes, up to a point. I've got my limits. See, this this psalm is an approximation of me, and yet I, we, fall short, don't we? So what, what do we do about that? Let me explain something about this psalm, which is which is a little bit technical, so just stay with me, but I think it's helpful. Um, If you were to find one of the... Remember the old brown Bibles that we used to have in the church? If, If you were able to open up one of them and turn to Psalm 112, verse 1, this is what you'd read. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Whereas uh, in these newer black ones... What does it say? Blessed are those who fear the Lord. So, hang on, which one's correct? Well, literally, I looked it up in the original language. It does say, blessed is the man. So, why the change? Well, the aim of Bible translation is to try and get the meaning of something that's been written in one language and express it as clearly as possible in another language. And one of the challenges that is that over the last 50 years, the English language has changed a lot. And so, for example, in, uh, in the New Testament, you know how there's all the passages where Paul writes letters to the Christians and, and, and in his language he says, Dear brothers. Now, when I was a kid, most of us knew that when it says brothers... That's, that's everybody. That, the women are included in that. But, but these days, the, 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 the way we use the English language, if you say brothers, then the women are left asking, well, is he talking to us or not? And so to, to actually more tr- clearly communicate the original meaning in today's English, um, this one has been updated to say, brothers and sisters, and I think that's good. That makes it clearer. Um, Here's another thing about modern English. When we want to describe someone without being specific about their gender, how do we do it? We use the plural, they. So it's quite quite a normal way of talking to say a, a person went to a shop they bought a can of Coke. That's how we talk, isn't it? 
A person, one person, went to a shop. They bought a can of Coke. So it's one person, but in English we often use the plural to describe that one person. That's just how our language works these days, and that's what they've done in Psalm 112. In the original language, the whole psalm is masculine singular, he, 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 but it's been translated as they, 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 which is just kind of right. Just that in this particular case, it makes, us, makes it easy to miss something. Because who does this psalm describe, Psalm 112? Does it describe you and me? Well, approximately. I mean, I'm trying to imagine myself as like an ancient Israelite reading this and and, and singing this psalm and and I'd go, is is that me? Well, it's it's not quite me, but it's who who I want to be and... And if there is someone exactly like this, I want to meet them. Like, Who does this actually describe? Which human truly reflects the character of God? Which human is truly righteous forever and truly gracious and truly compassionate and truly generous and truly steadfast? Which human? It's not us. It's him, the Lord Jesus Christ. This psalm is first about him. Just like, I mean, you can look on the same page in your Bible, Psalm 110. There's a famous psalm that gets that comes up in the New Testament. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now, that one, is that psalm about all Christians or about one man? Psalm 110, it's about one man, about the Saviour. It's got lessons for all of us. And I think Psalm 112 is like that too. It's Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, Jesus Christ. So when you get to Psalm 112, verse 4, it says, Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. Well, there's a lesson in that for all of us. If you're, if you're here this morning and you feel like you're, you're in darkness, there's this, there's this hope of a dawning of new light. But, but has that ever been more clearly seen than in the darkness of the cross when Jesus paid for all our sins, all the ways that we have failed to mirror God? Has that ever been more clearly seen than in the light of the resurrection where Jesus brings a new beginning for us? So, so what I'm trying to say is that If you want to become this kind of person, you can't afford to bypass Jesus. You can't do it in your own strength. I'm taking some time on this point because I don't want you to just go home thinking, okay, take-home message for today is this year I need to try a bit harder at compassion and faithfulness. Because there's there's no end of self-improvement websites which will tell you to try harder at those things. I think the point is, if if you want to be who you were created to be, if you want to reflect the character of God like you were designed for, then you need Jesus in your life. And so this psalm is first of all a psalm about Jesus. But it does become a psalm about us if Christ is in us. 
Because if, if Jesus is part of our lives, then bit by bit, his character is actually reshaping our lives. That was our New Testament reading from Colossians, wasn't it? You have been raised with Christ. His resurrected life is at work in you. And so it said get rid of those character traits which are unchristlike and put on your new self. Be renewed in the image of your creator. And so when you, when you realise, oh, there's, there's this area of my life where I'm actually not matching up with this description of a God-fearing person, that's when I need to ask, well, I wonder, I wonder in what ways maybe I'm resisting Christ and his work in my life. In, in what ways does actually Christ and his work equip me for change in this area? And so Psalm 112 will more and more describe you as you more and more resemble Christ. And your hope, your great hope, is that when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. You will be made like him. I mean, in the sense of you'll, you'll still have your own individual personality. You'll still have your own individual way of being compassionate and gracious and generous and faithful. But, but the kind of person you are, your moral character, will reflect the glory of God like the moon reflects the sun. So what kind of person do you want to be in 2024? Don't you want to be a more Christ-like person? Don't you, don't you want to more and more learn to be God-fearing and gracious and compassionate and generous and just and secure? How are you going to do that? Well, in the words of our New Testament reading, set your mind on things above where Jesus Christ is. Keep, keep studying Jesus Christ. Keep learning from him. Meditate on the glory of his character as it comes out in his life and his teaching. Think about his character as it's displayed in his death on the cross and in the glory of his resurrection. Keep, keep focused on what kind of saviour you have who still remembers you today as he stands or sits at God's right hand and speaks for you. Let his light shine into every part of your life and he will keep transforming you. He will keep making you more Christ-like. And so your life will more and more reflect the character of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for Jesus Christ and how in his, in his character he reflected all of your goodness and your grace and your compassion. Please reshape us to be more like Christ our Saviour. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.